the kingdom. And this is, this is sort of what Jesus is doing. It's a good picture to take when you're thinking, well, what is Jesus doing in his life as he's, as he's teaching, as he's going from town to town, to city to city? He's bringing the kingdom. You know, he's not just a, a moral teacher or a teacher of how to live your life. He's not a, a religious philosopher giving you instructions. No, he's a king coming and bringing a kingdom you know, the, earth has, the world's had its fill you know, in human history of, of people who come as moral teachers and philosophers. You know, they come and they go and they leave the world just as they find it. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's not just somebody coming with instructions, helpful instructions. He's bringing the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 4, I hope this is a familiar verse to some of you because it's where we get our name, Jubilee Church. <laughs> Um, Luke chapter 4, uh, he, he stands up publicly in a synagogue, so in a, in a kind of a Jewish setting like this, and he stands and he reads from the Old Testament this. He says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so this is what happens when the kingdom comes. When the king returns and takes his place, there is fullness of life. There is um, fullness of joy, complete healing. And we see, you know, people are set free. People are brought into having been healed. And uh, we see that as, we, as you go through the story of Jesus' life, there are people who have been blind, who have their eyes open. There are people who are lame, who can walk. People who are deaf here. And he says, this is a sign of the kingdom. And as, we, and as you go on through the New Testament, you see that this isn't just Jesus' story, but it's the story of the church. In Acts, as you see the gospel being preached from town to town to city to city, people are healed and they come to know God. And we see, we've seen that here as well. Even last week, it was amazing to see some of the things that were going on up here. The, 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 the stories that came out of last week are amazing. And this is, this is Jesus saying, this is a natural part of the kingdom coming. But more than that, you know, when we see the kingdom come, we see this happening spiritually too. We see people set free, free from sin, free from, uh, you know, from destructive habits and addictions. They have their sight given to them and they see the things of God. Those mysteries are revealed to them. And this is good news. This is why Christians want to talk about their faith. <laughs> because we have a king who is worthy of our attention as we've said this morning and we've got a kingdom that changes and transforms lives it's not just moral uh, instructions not just this is how you can be a good person this is no this is power from God to live free and in hope we've got amazing stories around the room if we, if we went around we'd hear some of these stories of people who've been set free people who've had their eyes opened so Jesus isn't just another moral teacher. He recognized 
that his job is to proclaim. So verse 1, he proclaims and he brings the kingdom of God. And so one of the ways that Jesus does this, one of the ways he teaches into this is these parables. And that's what the series that we're in at the moment as a church is we're looking at the parables of Jesus. He tells these stories and illustrations to show people this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And as we come through this series, we've seen that the, the parables of Jesus aren't just stories with morals attached. You know, they come with a, an urgency and a, a need to respond. Here it is. The kingdom of God is here. What are you going to do? And so as we've, as we've seen, you know, they, they demand a, a, a radical action. You know, as we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan a couple of weeks ago, we see you know, God is calling us to love radically because he loves radically. As we, and as Phil brought um, in a parable of the, the hidden treasure, somebody walking in a field, and suddenly they stumble across treasure hidden in a field, and they think, ah, they sell everything they have, they go and buy that field in order that they may take hold of that treasure. Saying, you know, pursue God radically because he is worth everything. Even if it costs you everything, pursue God. And so, on and on it goes. These are what the parables are like. They come with a teaching and they demand a response. This isn't just a, a F- Aesop's fables type thing. This is a, this is a here is the kingdom. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond to the good news of the kingdom when it's brought to you, when it's proclaimed to you? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's that challenge that Jesus is laying down. In this parable here, in, in, in um, Luke 8, the parable of the sower, he's saying, how are you going to respond to the kingdom of God now that it's here amongst you? How are you going to hear what, what I'm saying to you, what I'm speaking to you? Are you going to receive it? Are you going to live with it and enjoy it, that freedom, that sight, that healing? That completeness, that fullness of joy, are you going to receive that or are you going to let it pass you by? You're going to miss it. And so to bring this challenge, Jesus tells a a very simple story using uh, familiar things that people would know. You know, these guys, they're they're farmers. They know about seeds. They know about sowing seeds. They know how, how that deal works. You know, you sow seeds. Some of it's going to land and it's not going to grow. Some of it's going to land and it will. So Jesus tells the story and he says, this is what I'm doing now. As I come from city to city, and I'm proclaiming and bringing the kingdom, this is what I'm doing. I'm sowing seeds. I'm saying, here it is, take it. Now, will it grow? Will you receive it? And this parable isn't, it's not primarily about preaching. So it's not about what I'm doing today. You know, we know that the, the, the preaching is the sowing of the seed, but it's about healing. Uh, sorry, it's about hearing. Jesus, the big point of Jesus is, how are you going to take what you hear? So it's not, like I say, it's not about what I'm doing today. It's about what you're doing as you're sat there. Are you going to pick up what's been sown? Are you going to receive it in your heart? Or is it just going to... Pass you by. 
And it's a, it's a question that Jesus is really wanting to drive home. And so he, he highlights these, these four different responses to this preaching that he's doing. So if we could have the verses up again. So verse 5, he says, you know, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. You know, and the birds came and devoured it. In verse 12, he says, you know, the, the ones on the path, he explains, he's telling what this parable means. He's saying that the, the seed that fell on the path, they're, they're people who, who, when they hear, so they're hearing, the devil comes and takes away the words from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. He says, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And he goes on to explain that in verse 13. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, so again, they're hearing. Everybody's hearing it. When they hear the word, they receive it at first with joy, but they've, but they've got no root. And so they believe for a little while, but then as soon as things get hard, they fall away. As soon as times get tough, I want nothing to do with this. I didn't... I didn't I didn't sign up for this. I thought it was going to be all fun and games. No, this is what this is going to this is going to demand something of me. This is going to take something of me. No, I don't want that. So they fall away. And some fell among thorns. Verse seven. And it grew, and the thorns grew up and with it and choked it. And Jesus says, and this is what that means. You know, they those who hear, verse fourteen. But as they go, so again, they're hearing, they're receiving it at first. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit doesn't mature. Other things are going on in their head and their heart. Other things are being cultivated. Not the pursuit of God, as we saw in the, the, the hidden treasure. You know, the man who says, ah, this is worth everything. I'm willing to give up everything to have the kingdom, to have Jesus himself. Now these people, they, they don't do that. As they listen, their, their mind's on, I wonder, what am I going to do this afternoon? What am I going to be eating? <laughs> or their bank account, or their job, the cares, the worries, or the pleasures of life. They're distracted by these other things because that's where their heart is. It's not in the kingdom. It's not in what God, what God has brought to them, what Jesus is proclaiming to them and preaching to them so they don't mature and to others he says you know and and, and some fell on good soil and it yielded a hundredfold and he says and this means verse 15 that as, as for that in the good soil they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in a good and honest heart and bear fruit in patience, or that could be in, in endurance or in perseverance. You know, despite what comes, they hold on to what they've heard. They receive it, and they do not let it go. Come trials or other distractions, they are holding on to this thing. So everybody hears. Everybody hears the word. Everybody here in this room is hearing what's being said. Everybody hears the words of the kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming and bringing. But, Jesus says, he who it is to hear, let him hear. He's saying, you know, you can be 
You can hear every word that I'm saying. You could hear all this good news about the kingdom in which there's freedom and fullness of life and fullness of joy. And you can miss it because you've not heard it. You've heard it, but you've not heard it. You've not received it. You know, some of you have sat in this room week after week and you've, you've heard this preached. You've seen it happen in front of you. You saw what was going on last week and you've not received the gospel. Or you've seen these things, you've heard these things, but you're still being distracted by what's going on back home or in work or in your bank account or in your belly. (laughs) You know, the pleasures and cares of this world have distracted you. You've not received what's been put in front of you. And others, they, they, they take it for a while, but as soon as it gets hard, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. The, the disciples, they come to him and they ask, what, what does this parable mean? Now, in the other Gospels, so Matthew and Mark, when they tell this story, they, they zoom in a little bit more on this question and, and the, the disciples, they're coming and they're asking the question, well, why are, you, why are you speaking in parables? Why are you telling stories rather than just te- saying what you mean? Because the parables, you know, they're great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Jesus, I, I love them. But they're open to interpretation. You know, some people, they, they hear them, but they, they misunderstand what's going on. They don't, they don't get what, what you're trying to say. So why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus, he gives them this answer. He says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of God. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. You want to understand the depths and the mysteries of God? It's a free gift. Given. Freely. To you, it's been given. But to others, so, so the parables, they come and, 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 and Matthew, he, he quotes uh, the Psalms as he's telling the story. He says, you know, this, is, this was all done to fulfill the prophecy that you know, God comes and I will open my mouth in parables and I will make known what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And that's what's happening in this room. As Jesus is telling his stories, as he's bringing teaching, what's happening in some people is, ah, fine, I understand. I see what God is saying. I get it. The mysteries of God, life, fullness of life, joy, peace, hope, healing, freedom. I get it, freely given. It says, but to others, I speak in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So the parables themselves the stories, the illustrations that Jesus uses, they come as as something to reveal and to conceal the truth of God. So they both, at the same time, to some, they're going to be opening up these truths in amazing ways. But to others, others who dismiss them as silly stories for children, others who 
walk on by when they hear about the kingdom of God. To others, the parables don't reveal truth, but conceal it. They hide it. So the word parable, actually, when you, when you look at it in, in the original language, can, can mean, you know, so it can mean story, it can mean illustration, but it can also mean riddle. Jesus, what are you talking in riddles? Ah. Why are you talking in parables? Why not speak plain? And this parable, this in the, and the interpretation of it, Jesus gives as, as an answer to that question. Well, this is why. This is why. So that some would receive it and some will reject it. You know, as we, as we looked a couple of weeks ago, um, at the parable of the Good Samaritan, we saw that Jesus starts by saying, you know, praying to God, he said, thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise, but revealed them to children. So what, what, what does that mean? It means that no one is going to understand, no one's going to evaluate the depths of the mysteries of God by their cleverness, or because they've got three degrees or because um, they've got an IQ of 140 or whatever. No one's going to get these things because of their cleverness. We kid ourselves sometimes that we, the objections that we have to the things of God. When we hear this story, we kid ourselves that the reason we reject it is because of some intellectual objection. Some, ah, no, that doesn't work. Now it's, you know, Christianity is just for for the, the simple-minded. You kid yourself if you think that. Jesus is saying, no, this has been concealed from that sort of knowledge in order to be revealed to childlike faith that takes it to heart and believes what it hears. This is, these are the, this is the kingdom of God. Paul says later, he says he uses the, the foolish things. Now, sometimes I'm talking about Christianity to people who don't believe, and I just feel like an idiot. Like I'm, I'm thinking, they obviously think I'm an idiot. But no, no. God has used the foolish things to shame the wise. Not many of us are wise in the world's eyes. Paul says, "But the kingdom has come to such as you. It's come to you. Opened your eyes. Here it is the depths of the mystery of God opened." to you, given as a free gift, not because of hard work on your part, not because of um, lots of reasoning and arguments, but because it was given and you received it. Jesus quotes this passage from Isaiah, he says, you know, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, he says, you know, keep on hearing but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. Blind their eyes unless the, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Now that's so that is quite scary, isn't it? <laughs> you take that to mean what it means. There's a, there's a judgment there. There's a judgment there. 
your, your objection to Christianity, your, your shying away from giving all of it, as we've seen in the other parables, all of your life to pursuing God is not intellectual, but it's a judgment on you. It's a scary saying. You know, people want to live without God. They want a God that they can come up to on a Sunday morning and say, oh, worship, what a great service. I thought the preach was okay, not as good as last week. Um, I, I liked the words that were brought. That was nice. Let's go home and have, have tea. So people, people want that. He's <laughs> saying, that, no. God's saying, you know, if you reject me, or if you just want me in part, fine. Have it your way. And it's a judgment. He says, you want, you want to live without the kingdom that brings life and fullness of life and joy and peace and hope, fine, do it. Do life without me. Remain slaves. Remain blind to the things of God. And that is a judgment of, of, of God on, on such people. So as I preached this morning, my words are doing one of two things for you. And as we come and Sunday after Sunday, and the word of God is preached, one of two things is going to be happening in your heart. Either you will be called and caught up in the kingdom of God with Jesus as king, as we've been singing, who brings life and joy and peace and fullness and completeness, or as you hear these things, you will be hardened against them. One of those two things is going to be happening in you right now. I pray it's the first one. Oh, Lord, speak to us. Open our eyes. Give us spiritual eyes to see what you're saying, to hear what you're saying, Lord. We don't want to miss this. We don't want to miss this. Lord, we don't want anybody to be past that point of hearing. We don't want hard hearts, Lord. Father, we thank you that your, your heart for us is to give us hearts of flesh that are open to the things of God. Would you do that in this room now? Even as people are hearing what they've heard a hundred times, Lord, I pray would you soften hearts to receive your kingdom. What my words won't be doing is nothing. It's going to be doing one of these two things. It will not be doing nothing. God says, you know, if my words go out, they will not come back void. They will either be hardening hearts or opening hearts. Paul reaches this point as he's kind of looking at his ministry. He's looking at his work with the churches. And he says this, he says to the Corinthians, you know, we are the aroma of Christ, the smell of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are the fragrance of death. We stink like death. And to the other, we are the fragrance of life to life comes away from that he says oh who is sufficient for these things who can who can carry these things as the preaching is done seed is sown different things are going to be happening in hearts there's one sermon being preached but different things are going to be happening in different hearts and Jesus wants to make it very clear and that's what he comes to right at the end of the passage take care then how you hear 
How are you hearing? Because to the one who has, the one who has that heart that is open to receiving, more will be given. If you come with an honest heart, a childlike faith that just takes hold of what is sown, what is put before you, more will be given. But to those who do not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Their intellectual objections, their fair weather faith. Oh, it's, yes, I love it when it's good, but as soon as it gets hard, I, no, I don't want this. I don't want no root, no depth, no strength in that faith. The word of God is landing now. And as Jesus was preaching, that's what he was doing. Preaching the kingdom. These people are going to receive it or are they not? Trials and trouble can kill it. Pleasures and cares elsewhere can stop you from growing in it. I wonder how many of us are there. I know that can be true of me. Get so distracted by other things. Don't bear fruit when I should because my heart is is double-minded. It goes after one thing and tries to have God as well. God says, no, to have me, you must have me at the expense of everything else. You want to bear fruit? Come after me. Drop all else, come after me. The interesting thing is that that bearing fruit, that that good soil doesn't get an easy ride. <laughs> this is, you know, they, you know, those are the ones who, with an honest heart, hold fast to what they hear, hold on tight to it, and endure. They bear fruit with endurance, with patience, with perseverance. They face the same trials as everybody else. The same bumps and shuns. The same temptation to set their heart on other things. But those who bear fruit hold on to what they hear. They belong to it. They're mastered by it. They believe it like a child. And they produce fruit in, uh, in their perseverance. You know, there's something in that. I don't have time to go there now, but there's something in actually the, the perseverance. We, kind of, we started there, you know, the, the, the perseverance, that kind of pushing through despite adversity somehow becomes the means by which the seed grows. There's another sermon there, but it's not today's. <laughs> but there's something to be taken hold of there. Are you going to endure? Are you going to hold on to what you hear? I have come to preach good news to the poor. You know, it's on the banners outside. Are you going to take hold of that good news? Are you going to hold on to it despite what else is going on in the world? As Jesus goes on, he, he, kind of, he, he draws this connection between the fruit that is born and the light that is shown. And I, I'm going to finish on this and we'll go back into worship. But Jesus says, you know, that the, the fruit of verse 15 is the light of verse 16. I wonder, could we have that, those verses back up that last slide? So, Jesus is saying, you, if you endure, 
If you hold on to what you hear, you will bear fruit. And that fruit is the light of the world. That's a connection that we see elsewhere in, in Scripture. But you bear fruit according to good works of faith. As you believe God, you bear fruit. You're loving like God's loving. You're enduring like God is enduring. You have peace and love and joy like God does because you bear fruit in faith. And Paul goes on to say that this fruit of of endurance, of patience, of hardship becomes the way that other people see the kingdom. We, We don't just receive the kingdom. We then become beacons of the kingdom, light, pointing people to the the kingdom. We receive fullness of joy. We receive love and life in all its fullness, and then we declare it to the world. That's what Jesus is wanting to push us on. So, I wonder if I could have the band back up. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others so that, you may, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And then in Colossians 1, Paul says, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there's a very, very natural hearing that we've all been doing today. <laughs> we've all been hearing about the kingdom. But it produces supernatural fruit. Supernatural joy. Supernatural life. Supernatural completeness. I just want to invite us to, to be there. I wonder, if, would you just stand now with me? I want us to head back into worship, but just as, as we do... I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've I feel like I've scattered seed. Like or fired off like shells into the crowd. But I think <laughs> I don't know where you see yourself in that parable as as it's as it's some. Maybe there's maybe you recognize that actually I've I've heard I've heard the story of Jesus a few times. Maybe this is the first time hearing it. But I've always always rejected it. Oh, this isn't for me. This is for somebody else. This isn't mine. This is for somebody else. So you're prevented from believing and receiving eternal life. Or maybe, maybe you've been facing troubles, even in this last week. You've been tempted to drop the thing entirely. Where are you, God, in this? Cancer comes. Illness comes. Loss of job, loss of family. You feel that temptation just to wither and die. Or maybe you've, yeah, even as I've been speaking, you've, you've taken pleasure in other things. They might be innocent things, they might be perfectly good things, they might be quite sinister things, evil things that have robbed you of your joy in God. Maybe you've sat here and you've heard this before. 
all of this before. None of it's new to you. But you've never heard it. If that's you, I would, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. I'm just going to finish by praying. And then I wonder if we could have the, the ministry team at the front. If, if, if you've been hit by one of those things, you want to bear fruit. If you want to be in that kingdom, I wonder, would you come to the front? There'll be a team here that will pray for you. I'm just going to finish by praying. I'll hand over to, to Sue. Lord, I, I thank you that you are our king. Lord, I thank you that in you there is fullness of life. There is healing. There is freedom for the captive. There is sight to the blind. Lord, I thank you that that you've been doing that in our hearts. You've been opening our hearts to who you are. And even as we were worshipping just now. Lord, I pray, would you continue to do that in our hearts? Would you continue to speak to us? Continue to move us? Lord, open the eyes of my heart that I would see you for who you are as that perfect treasure. Lord, I pray for people who've never, who've never known that, who have always been hard-hearted towards these things, who have always objected to them, who have always walked past them. Would you open the eyes of their heart now to see you for who you are? 